If we asked you for your definition of success, what would you say? For us, it's simple. Success is unique to each and every one of us. Welcome to The Success Revolution, the podcast that's changing the way we talk and think about success. We're The Step Up Club. I'm Alice. And I'm Fenella. And we're on a mission to get every single one of you feeling successful, no matter what that success looks like to you. In today's episode, we speak to Kiki K founder and motivational speaker, Christina Carlson. She's built a huge global business from scratch whilst using her platform to genuinely inspire people to live happily and with purpose. That's something we can really get behind. Mm -hmm. She talks really openly in this episode about the struggles of launching a new business. There is plenty of priceless how-to startup advice in this interview, for sure, as well as her children being her most useful business consultants, how she dreams big, and why the fact that she only wears black makes her an extremely efficient traveller. At Christina's request, we're recording today's episode in aid of the Terroride Trent International Foundation, which is a charity committed to developing and rebuilding schools and improving the quality of education and opportunity for people in Zimbabwe. Um, we've met Terroride Trent and she is an incredible woman. So it is really, really worth clicking across to terroride.org to find out more. And obviously all the info is also in the show notes. Don't forget, before we get on to the interview, to follow us on Instagram. We are at the Step Up Club there every week when we launch our podcast. There's lots of lively debates around the conversation. And that is the whole point of the success revolution. It's about giving you a new insight and a new view on what success means. And we would love it if you joined the chat there or on Twitter at the Step Up Club for both. And also don't forget the spaces are open for Step Up School. They're filling up quickly. Both are in person course which is in London and our online course and both of them launch in January. So Christina was a brilliant interview we knew she would be. We've been to quite a few events with Christina we've met her quite a few times now. She has this blend of being quite a punchy businesswoman and also a real thinker, a dreamy thinker and the combination is really intoxicating. I'm at her mercy whenever she speaks. I think what we realised as we walked out of the interview was that her conversation is starting to help us see trends in our podcast, which is exciting. One thing that comes very naturally to her is about giving back. So she's incredibly charitable, as we mentioned in the introduction. She's very committed at the moment to the Terror I Trent International Organisation. But more than that, the words on all of her books, in her diaries, it's all so motivational. It's literally living Monday motivation, isn't it? I think that comes very naturally to her. And I, it was interesting that someone who has got this really sharp business mind can also have this layer of emotion and connection I think with her customers and I know that we love using her products I mean that's not an ad because of the words on them and words are obviously really important to her I mean it's striking us that maybe that's part of what is creating the engagement that people have with all the women we've spoken to yeah. so far that we love watching them or listening to them or using their products because we know that yes obviously they want business success or personal career success but also there's a genuine or authentic desire there to help us in some way mm -hmm. and that's very attractive the other theme that I think is really interesting and is definitely starting to emerge is this duality of focus on success. So maybe they don't articulate it in quite these terms, but essentially everybody we've interviewed so far, and we've interviewed quite a few people, not all of the interviews have 
come out yet. So we have a few who we've And also very interviewed. different career and life backgrounds. Absolutely. They're all really, really different. They're not all entrepreneurs. They're all in really different industries. And what we've noticed is that they all have a very overarching big success definition which is about life goals and dreams but they also all have a granular day-to-day definition of success and also a sort of a practice that centers them in that day-to-day success whether it's about thinking about the challenges they've had that day or thinking about the failures that they've had perhaps that week and how to get over them or having a cooking ritual or having a daily mindfulness practice which Christina talks to us about I think it's that day-to-day focus combined with that overarching vision that allows them to create a success that is really fulfilling and meaningful. Yeah, I think not just blindly rushing ahead with your career, but actually giving yourself time to think and be objective and having self-awareness, which is all things we talk about. I think it's exciting for us that we can give you that time and perspective through the podcast too, which is one of our aims, but feels like everything's kind of coming together really well with the interviews. So we're excited about this one and enjoy Christina. Christina Carlson is the founder and creative director of one of our favourite design and stationery brands, Kiki K. For such a huge global business, Kiki K has over 100 stores worldwide, is stocked in another 250 shops and is available to buy in nearly 150 countries. Christina's childhood on a small farm in Sweden was decidedly humble. So how did she get where she is today? Well, at 22 years old, she found herself in Australia, in love, but with no career direction and away from all of her family and friends. She had very little money, that's of her own admission, and most concerning of all, even less idea about what she wanted to do with her life. That was nearly 20 years ago now, so what changed? Well, having woken her husband at 3am in the night to tell him her worries, he suggested that she wrote down her dreams. She did, and from that middle-of-the-night moment, Kiki Kay was born. This autumn, along with hundreds of lines of beautiful and motivational notebooks, calendars and office wares, Christina wrote her first book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, which we've both read and love. A life manual, come emotive dream catcher, her aim with the book is predictably punchy. She wants her book to inspire and empower 101 million people around the world to write down three dreams and support them to chase them too. Christina, we are beyond thrilled that you are here on our Success Revolution podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much and thank you for having me. No, we... Well, thanks for that lovely introduction. No, you were absolutely (laughs) on our hit list of podcast interviewees, mainly because of your approach, I think, to your work and to your dreaming. Mm. Yeah, we were so inspired. We had a dinner with Christina when she launched her book, where she had us all write down our dreams in a stream of consciousness or narrative way, a bit like the way we get people to do do free rights at Step Up School. And we're not usually on the receiving end of that kind of activity. And it was really inspiring and exciting. And it really got us thinking in a different way. So we were so excited Mm. to introduce you to everybody on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. So Alice talked about the genesis of Kiki K. Let's start at that beginning. It was about 20 years ago. Yes. <laughs> what did you write down that led to this amazing business? Yes, work? I call it my 3am list. So at 3am, I wrote down that I wanted to drive to work every single day and absolutely loving what I was doing. 
especially on a Monday morning, because that's often the toughest day to get motivated after the weekend. I wanted to have a business on my own, but I didn't know what that was going to be. I wanted to have a connection with Sweden. So at the time when I moved to Australia, I had or still have, but had a little brother who was sick and he had cancer and I had to go home a couple of times urgently. And I thought, if I'm going to stay here, I want to do something that connects me back to Sweden. So if I needed to go back for things like that, I could do it again. So that was important. And then on my list, I also had that I wanted to work with Swedish design because that's one of my passions. I really always loved the aesthetics of Swedish design and the function. And then I wanted to make $500 a week. And this is for any young people listening. This is before internet. So there was no FaceTime and, you know, the cheaper ways of communicating these days. So I have spent all my money that I was earning at the time on phone bills and my trip home. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make $500 a week. And basically that was for rent, food, a trip home and some fun things and the phone bills. <laughs> so can you talk us through how that, because I think lots of us write down, maybe not at 3M, but no, maybe not with such clarity, but lots of us write down a dream yeah. that we want, but we don't all go out and pursue it the yeah. way that you have. What happened next? Well, Kiki K wasn't actually born that night. So, you know, I went back to sleep and I think, you know, we have done the 3M notebook because a lot of us wake up in the middle of the night. So I will encourage people to actually have a notebook versus a phone next to your bed. So we have done that. But ideally, you want to not wake up at 3am, but actually do it at 5am and have a coffee with it. It's much nicer. I went searching. That was a little bit of a clarity for me. It was my first dreams on paper and someone who really asked me what is important to you. And, you know, when you're in your everyday life, you don't always give yourself permission to dream about things that you really want. And this was stretching things for me. I had no idea how to do a business. So this was really stretchy goals. But then I went looking at my list and then I thought... One of my passions was travel at the time. So I thought maybe I should work within the travel industry. I was a tour guide in Europe for a while from Sweden. And I thought maybe I should do something in travel. So I actually knocked on someone's door, a travel agent, and asked if I could work for free. English was my second language and I had no idea about anything, you know, computers, I had no idea. And I worked there for free, serving coffees, doing photocopying or whatever I was doing. And then eventually they trained me to become a travel agent. And then I realized that after like probably a year, and I loved it. I learned so much. But I actually then realized that booking travel for other people is not as exciting and as going on your own trips. Yeah, <laughs> Very depressing. And I did corporate, so it was a lot of really just London, New York, that kind of not exciting trips. Then I went back being unsettled again. And I think for your listeners here... One key message is that sometimes when you have that restless or being really not happy with what you're doing, that is a really good time to actually take some action. And often we need to get to that, you know, and sometimes even for when people change the world, it's because they have a broken heart or something that they really feel that they need to change. So one of my mentors, Robin Sharma, he told me, never waste a good crisis. Like, you know, that's when all your growth is and this is where you come up with things. And because I had on my list, I went back to the list. I was looking for starting a business and I was trying to, you know, do I import, do I buy something? And then I was going to buy some products for my home office because I thought if I'm going to have a business, I need a beautiful home office. That was important to me. And, <laughs> and then I couldn't find anything. And back then, everything, it's so much on the market now. But back then, it was price-driven, badly badly designed in my view and um, just very uninspiring. And I thought, I don't want to have that in my home. I want something inspiring. And then I got super excited and I thought, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to open beautiful Swedish design stores around the world in my favorite cities and obviously London being one of them. 
It's been a long journey, but, you know, we grow really fast in the beginning. I was really hungry to get it going. I convinced Paul to sell his house and open the first store. And, God, he and, must have really loved you. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is was... absolutely gorgeous, by the way. We've heard Christina talk about him as this kind of mythical figure. And then we finally met him at this dinner, and he is a very gorgeous kind yeah he he's is, got a lovely he and he's aura. Alice called him gentle Paul yeah he was just so <laughs> lovely, lovely. and he sat in a room of how many women were about 20 or 30 <laughs> in the middle of the table the only man in the room and seemed completely at ease yeah I think he's used to that but you know he's very much part of the Kiki K story it's just that he is not the face of Kiki K he's decided to do the more background stuff but he is very much part of what we have created today so without him there's no way I will be where I am today so it's really is a teamwork so you started off with this very practical list of wanting to drive to work and earning a kind of modest amount of money and mm-hmm. everything being quite practical. So now, I feel, I think Fenella agrees, it's become much more dreamlike, yep. your kind of vision and everything feels less practical. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that transition taken place? Is that through the growth of the business or where you are as a person? It really has been everything that we do through the business is really part of my personal development. So, I mean, when I started a business, I started to read a lot of personal development books and then for myself to keep me motivated to learn. And because I had no idea about anything, really, that was really motivating for me. And then I came across so many amazing books and things that I thought, you know, I'm surely not the only one who are struggling with you know, productivity or positivity or whatever it is, whatever I was reading at the time. So I started then to, I mean, it really started with people coming into our stores with loving the aesthetics and organized because, you know, we were very much all color coordinated. And in the beginning, we didn't have as many products. So it was super organized. And because I was working there 24 seven, every pen had its own way of being. (laughs) So it was really inspiring for people to come in and say, I want an office like that. And then we realized that so many people are struggling with productivity because they're not organized and sometimes organizing is such a simple thing but you need some help so we started doing workshops on how to get more organized and then one year when the financial crisis were and it was like I mean retail is always tough even if financial times are really good it's really always tough so I was so sick of hearing it from everywhere every person I met I was like so then I started to read about happiness and then I came across Gretchen Rubin's book and she's an author in New York who wrote the book, The Happiness Project. And I love that so much. And then we had bought some books into the products, but because they didn't look the same as the KKK aesthetics, they always went to the bottom. So they never sold. And then I thought there must be another way. So I called her and said, hey, can we do your book, but in a KKK cover? Mm-hmm. And then with Gretchen's book, we've probably done, I don't know, three or four, maybe even more covers over the years. And now we have worked with Ariana Huffington and lots of different authors. So it really has evolved. Um, I got really obsessed with habits one year. And then I thought, oh, surely I'm not the only one who needs to change, add some and remove some habits. So it's been really much what I love. And and my absolute latest obsession is obviously dreaming because I feel like if everyone took some time to dream, they really could change their life. So what would you say that your definition of success is today? And how does it differ from that, that 3am moment 20 years ago? Well, I really am living my dream life. So that's for me is success. And that doesn't mean it's an easy life. I think there is no such a thing as if you want to do things that you really are out of your comfort zone or things that you haven't done before, it's not easy. But I have this thing where I always look at challenges in two different ways. So one is that if I know that 
me potentially or the business potentially could do so much more for the world and I'm not doing it because, you know, I'm happy where I am. That's discomfort because I know potentially we could do so much more. And then if I do all the things that we potentially could do, that's also discomfort because then I'm getting out of my comfort zone. And it, <laughs> Sorry? You're knackered. <laughs> exactly. And global and, you know, it's complex and it's also discomfort. So then you just have to choose which discomfort. And that's mm-hmm. how I see everything that I do. So I can sit back and be really happy. And, you know, we have created so many things and we've done so many good things for our customers and for us. But I just feel like we just getting started. So for me, success is really to find what is important to you and really living your dream life, not your parents or your partners or your peers or whatever school you went to and you became a role that you might not have chosen if you could do anything in your life. I think that's a very on message for us. (laughs) It really is. It's such a huge theme for us and all the women we work with and speak to that there are all these external definitions of success that yeah. are kind of pounding down. But in many ways, if you look at success in a dictionary, it says the pursuit of a goal, fine, often in relation to money and power. Yeah. And the irony is, is that lots of the women that we're interviewing for the podcast do have those things yeah. because actually with a huge global business that you have, obviously those things come as part and parcel of that but it sounds like your definition of success isn't about that no that's a sort of byproduct yeah and I really think the most important thing I always get asked you know what is the most important thing if you're starting your own business but I don't think it's just about your own business it's also about whatever you do in life whatever you decide to do to make a living is passion or do something that you really love because especially for small business you need to put a lot of hard work in there and if you do not love it and you have all those challenging times how do you actually get through that And for me, that was like, you know, we had to raise capital, we had to sign leases and we have to work out in five countries. So every country is a new kind of business. So learning all those things, then I get most excited about my new sharpened pencils and a new notebook and things. So, you know, that keeps me going. And I think that's really important because otherwise I just think that when you are so tired and you're not excited about the product or the service or whatever you're doing, that is really tough. We've talked to you about this before, but we think it's really interesting that we have created, probably out of a need for ourselves and as definitely as part of our business, a network of women who support each other. We like to call it our board of advisors. You know, we have role models and mentors and women who sponsor us and help us get ahead. And hopefully we do the same for other people too. Has your success and your understanding of what your success is as well evolved thanks to external influences in your business and your personal life and how has that impacted on your own personal development and the growth of your business too? Mm, Massively. I had no idea about anything. Like I didn't even know anything about business. So I had to learn it all from scratch. So what I did is I went to see loads and loads of speakers, anything from raising capital, how to start a business, to marketing, whatever it was. But I was also really interested in that. So that came very naturally for me. And then the ones that I really resonated with, I asked them for coffees. I never had a mentor that was like a really formal, like every month kind of thing. You know, Gillian Franklin, she was one that I saw speaking about raising capital. And I think she thought I looked very tired at the time. And she took me under her wings a bit and helped me with cash flow and all those things that it was 
wasn't my strength. I've done that in so many ways. And I really, one of the most key thing, I think, for mentors is that you don't get everything. It's like a friend. You don't get every quality from one friend that you might want or partner or whatever it is. So seeking out different ones was really important to me. So I had different mentors in retail because, you know, I never worked in retail, so I had no idea. And then I had financial mentors, you know, my old boss at the travel agency. I actually went to him and showed him my budget and he cut it all in half. So I did lots of different things. And I think today it's so much easier in some ways because now we can listen to podcasts, you know, things like this. You can get so much information. You can do online courses. So if you are really interested in someone who's inspiring you, even in the public space in terms of someone who's really well known, you can often do courses or hear the TED Talks or YouTube or whatever it is. Often talks are recorded. So there is so much to be inspired by. And, you know, obviously joining your school and your talks, etc. I think had been so important to me. Just quickly, while you were talking there and you were saying, you know, I went out and spoke to this one and I went and phoned up that one and went to my old boss, I think definitely among our Step Up School students and ourselves sometimes as well, there's a missing link between just saying it and doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got to have the confidence to do it. It's easy to say, you know, I just did. It's not that it was easy to do, but I think a lot of the people maybe who are listening would stumble at that first mm. step. How did you have the confidence within when Kiki K really was just an idea to go to people and say, this is what I want to do. Can you help me? Have you got any Mm. advice around that? I do. But one, I just want to say that I went to see all the editors at the time and that was the most scariest, like, you know, the devil wears Prada kind of moments where I just felt like, because Paul suggested it and I said, it's no way I'm doing that. Like I can hardly speak English and then go and show my products that it just, you know, maybe not even be good. And for some reason he made, not maybe made me do it, but he encouraged me to do it. So sometimes we really have to do things that's outside of our comfort zone and they often the ones that really makes a difference. So that is probably number one tip to actually sometimes to do great things, you actually have to go out of a comfort zone and actually do it. But I look at things a little bit different now. I like to look at my life and my dream is to live to I'm 120. So I don't know how I'm going to do that, but that's one of my dreams. And uh, even if I get to live to 120, life is pretty short in my view. You know how we all so full days and all of a sudden a year is gone and you just think what happened. So I look at my life as this is a very short time on earth and I am going to do whatever I can to fill it with stuff that I love. And of course, there are things that I don't like as much. You know, running a business has its sides that is not as appealing to me. So I'm not really, luckily we have a CEO now, but there is always a positive in every negative and there's always a lot of challenges. I always like to look at, you know, what am I going to do with my life and what are my dreams and what is really important to me? And, you know, I encourage people to do 101 dreams in the book, but you can just choose three that you want to create in your lifetime if they're bigger and there could be some small ones and sometimes small dreams they don't have to be creating a big business or write a book or start a blog or whatever sometimes it's just actually about taking more time for yourself and have some more reflection time or some more time with your children or partner or whatever it is so for me the dreams is not about just thinking big in terms of achieving big things it's also about what is important to you And I actually reference a lady in the book called Bronnie Ware, and she was a palliative caretaker in Australia, and she interviewed the people who were dying about their biggest regrets. And the most common regret, sadly, is that people wish at the end of their life that they lived a life true to themselves. And I want to make sure that I do that. So, of course, there's some things that we have to do that is not maybe part of our 
dream life, but as much as possible, really think about at the end of your life, which is sometimes a bit confronting, but what do you want to have uh, achieved and what would you want to do and what changes do you want to be part of and what do you want to be proud of at the end of your life? That's how I see it. Mm. <laughs> we were talking actually in the lift on the way up here about time and I think that's really pertinent to what you're saying because obviously your definition of success is huge mm. because it encompasses not only a global business that seems so huge to us but still has so far to go in your eyes altruism a proportion of the sale of your new book goes to charity but also helping others motivating others inspiring others and you've got two kids and you're really present with your kids so I'm just wondering how time factors into your definition of success mm. and how do you balance things because I'm suspecting that your definition of balance is maybe different and inspiring to people who are trying to do that too yeah just to clarify my life is not perfect in any ways and often I'm from the outside it? <laughs> it looks so good doesn't it <laughs> but then you go to the inside there's chaotics everywhere but this is also like a part of my journey that I have learned to say no to a lot of things and in the beginning that's really hard because sometimes especially when you're starting a business you know that there's networks and things that you want to be part of all the time when I had kids and that was like a I think that was a real blessing for me because then I realized that you know I can't do everything so I started to have no direct reports and you know everyone in my entrepreneurial group of friends they said there's no way you can do that but I somehow managed to do that. So I'm not managing people except my assistant. But for me, it's about deciding what's important. So family for me is number one, but I also love my business. And I also love all the people that we get to inspire to live their dream life. So I am very good at saying no to things that is not interesting to me or not important to me. I have a thing that really, I think, sets me up for all the crazy because, you know, I've traveled so much and it's been a big year, I have to say. And the one thing that I do almost every single Sunday, I have nothing booked. Unless it's a birthday, a family birthday, obviously, then I can't get out of that. But I have a day a week. And even if I'm here, like here in London, and you know, there's so much to do. And often you think I'm only here for a few days, and I don't want to spend a day in bed. But normally, I actually just spend a day reading. If I'm with the family, I spend time with the kids. But a lot of that time is actually for me. So getting up early, I love getting up early because I go to bed early, I don't go to a lot of functions. And then I spend the morning reading, writing, thinking. So I, I do a lot of work, you know, I do that three pages, unconscious writing, getting things out of my thought. I do that almost daily. And that just really helps to clear my head. And really looking at my dreams and my goals every single day makes me clear on what is important to me. And of course, there are days and there are things. And I often feel when my travel schedule is absolutely out of balance. And this year probably has been a little bit more to that. But I often bring my children and as much as possible, the whole family. But that's not always possible. But I've tried to bring one child. And that makes me really balance in terms of family because I know they can spend one-on-one -on -one time with one child and then uh, they are also very educated about the world in terms of when they come here to London I always get them to ask five local questions so you know they've been in London so many times but every time they come up with some new questions and so I make them work ordering Ubers and food and all that kind of stuff so they're kind of learning as well so it's a bit of a family journey this Kiki K journey. <laughs> How do you 
inspire your children to have that same approach to life around dreaming and believing that they can do whatever they want. They've got their parents kind of running this massive business and you know, they must be so inspired by how you approach things, especially I think like most recently now with your dreaming, it must be so amazing for them to see that. Do you talk to them about how they should approach their lives and peer pressure and all those things that children experience as they're growing up? I mean, I'm actually asking this for a purely selfish way, but you know, how do you make your children more resilient along the ways that you've done it for yourself? Mm, Good question. You know, my two kids have grown up at Kiki K, so they've been to every meeting, to every board meeting in their little thing. So they have always been part of it. So they've been to a lot of my talks and interviews, like even Axel, who was probably five at the time. I remember doing an interview in Singapore and we had 10 minutes to do it and it was a newspaper. So it was really quick. And he's like, mom, I think you forgot, you know, to say that, you know, sometimes <laughs> <Like> in, news- <laughs> in newspapers, you can't say everything because you can't tell the whole story because it was 10 minutes. And he's like, mom, I think you forgot this. <laughs> so they're very much part of the environment and they are big dreamers. What I'm encouraging everyone to do, I do myself and also the kids are doing that. They have their own vision boards. It's full of dogs at the moment which is really annoying because I can't see that we can <laughs> It's not part of your work-life balance. <laughs> it's definitely not part of my work-life balance, but I love to encourage it. But I love to share a really fun story. In my book, I have that life is short chapter and I encourage people to think if they were to die in three years' time, it's a very confronting you question. You this on us. Yeah, it is quite confronting. very confronting, but it's a really good one. So when I wrote the book, I did the exercises a million times from other people points of view in terms of just because the tools that I'm sharing in my book are things that I do all the time but sometimes I don't do it perfect and so I wanted to make sure that the exercises were right so I was going on a plane between Melbourne and Sydney one Saturday and the week before we'd just been away somewhere else traveling and I was going to Philippines and uh, I had never been to Philippines and Axel had never been to Philippines and Axel was saying the whole week like and he talks in present tense because I always talk about how you, you know you live and you feel your dreams. And he was like, Mom, I can just feel the Philippines coming on and I can feel the warmth. And I was like, stop it because you have to be at school at some stage. Luckily, our school is really, really flexible with us traveling all the time. And I know that's really difficult in this country, but we're very lucky with that. But anyway, I thought, no, I have to. And then I was thinking Philippines is going to be like a few hours to Singapore, one event there. And then Philippines is just not going to be fun for him anyway. It's going to be airplanes, events, and then sleep and then back. So it's not even worth it. So I said, hey, you can come another time, but you're not coming. You need to be at school. And he's like, mom, you're telling the world to dream. So I'm just going to keep dreaming. And really annoying. <laughs> like, I need to give up on this dreaming. <laughs> so they were living while I was preaching. Then I jumped on this plane and I thought, I'm going to do this exercise. So if I was to die in three years' time, what would I do differently today? Because doing that, I don't want anyone to only live for three more years, but it really gets us out of our heads and into our hearts and thinking, if I was to die in three years' time, what would I do differently today? Considering that everything would stay the same, so health will be the same. What are the decisions? And often we come to things like, you know, maybe we will spend more time with the family or maybe we would book that trip that we talked about for years or maybe it's just about taking a weekend off to actually just be at home versus always being social or whatever it is. And for me, it really got me because I thought if I was to die in three years' time when I did this exercise on this one-hour flight, I was like, I would love Axel to come to Philippines because I always want them to come, but I feel that sometimes they need to learn something as well that is not part of the Kiki K journey. So when I landed, I called him and I said, hey, you can come to the Philippines. 
the kids are very much part of the dreaming process. And we just had a television show coming to our home because I wanted to see the kids' vision boards. And I love how they are really living and breathing. Um, but, you know, they grew up that way, so it's not surprising. But, you know, I'm very, very aware, and they are too, that they live a very privileged life in terms of the travel and the things that they get to experience and the people they get to meet. Every day we do four things when we sit together for dinner and when I'm at home, I try to have dinner every night with them. We call it the four G's, just really to remember what it is, but it's one grateful. So what's the grateful for the day? So we always, whatever we do, and I think they've done that since they could actually speak. They come up with some extraordinary things, what they're grateful for, because I've heard so many people and we always share this. If we have dinner parties, we always do this. So one grateful. One good thing that happened today, so even if we had a bit of a challenging day, there's always one good thing. The gram of the day, which is Instagram of the day. So obviously Tiffany is little, she doesn't have Instagram, but it's more about the visual of the day. So if we had the opportunity to take a photo of the day, what would we have taken it on? Just kind of really embedding those memories. And then the goal for tomorrow. And I love hearing, you know, three-year-old, now she's seven, but saying what her goal was is often to find the doll or whatever it was that she was looking for but it was just really and sometimes often she brings up that she's really grateful for shelter and food and things mm. and when I travel you know going to cities like London and New York and places like that I often take them out at night to really see how people are living sometimes on the streets to make sure and I always always talk about those people who are homeless on the streets they were babies too and they were just made some bad choices or had a really unfortunate time when they grew up so they are very much aware that these are people too that might just need some support. So I feel like I'm trying my very best. And of course, I'm not a perfect parent, but I try really to get them to dream big, but also understand the reality of a normal life. Lots of inspiring things. I actually <laughs> ask my daughters some ridiculous questions every day, which is, what did you have for lunch? Who did you sit next to at lunch? What was the best bit of your day? Who made you smile? And what was... Mm, that's five beautiful. of them but now they ask me to do it you haven't mm. asked me the five questions no I think I need to evolve my five questions to be no but that's I think that's beautiful but I think sometimes just to connecting with that yeah. and um I think the goal for tomorrow is a good one because you sometimes you only think about the day and actually it's that kind of art of looking forward a little bit and connecting the days together I think it's a great one so yeah and another one that we do sometimes is the learnings because often you know there could be learning yeah, about you know that. what did you learn today yeah and sometimes that you know brings up things that in the playground that you know there was someone not happy or whatever it is so there's some really good and obviously all those questions gives discussions and and it's really nice I'll, I, you it's, should do a pack for Kiki K we should your 4G's pack yeah there's so many things we should do. <laughs> Thank you, Christina. That was really interesting and inspiring. Every time we meet you, we do feel inspired. And we hope that everyone else does too. If you could leave our listeners, I mean, you've given them so much amazing advice. But at the end of Step Up School, we always try to kind of reflect back on what we've done and leave with one really practical thing that you could put into action this week. Because I think that's sometimes the hardest thing. Mm. We feel inspired, but we don't really know exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. If you could leave everybody who's listening with one really practical thing that they could do to pursue their dreams this week, what would mm. it be? I would ask my favourite five questions. What would you do if you couldn't fail? Sometimes we are restricting because we don't think we can do it in terms of we don't have the knowledge or we don't think we have the confidence or whatever. But if you couldn't do anything in the world, what would you actually do? And if you couldn't fail... What would you do if you had all the money you needed, the resources, the knowledge and the energy? What would you actually do? I would ask those five questions or whatever. There might be six now, but I would ask those questions and take some time, even if it's like 
going off your phone for 10 minutes or get up early one morning and actually write those things down, whatever comes to mind, that's what I would do. Because I think that dreaming is really the start and often gets us out of thinking about what we are today. And actually, maybe we then get to think about stuff that is in there somewhere, but not something we have taken action on. So I think dreaming is a really good start on that. So that's what I would love to encourage people to do. And we say if you want to treat yourself before Christmas or anyone close to you, adult child, family member, definitely invest in your book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, because there's lots of Christina's wisdom in there and things to read, but there's also really practical worksheets and exercises that get you dreaming. Fenella and I loved working through it with Christina and the dinner we went to to celebrate it, but actually just working on your own and having that structure. I think sometimes, you know, we talk about dreaming, but it just is slightly an abstract concept. And Mm. I think your book really helps in a very step-by-step way to pull those dreams out and help you focus on as you say just three dreams yeah Um, and you know we have a free audio guide on our website so it's just really kiki k forward slash book resources and we have some free audio guides where I actually have recorded similar questions mm. to what I did at the dinner so if people need some help that is just a free thing that we do and sometimes because we are stuck in our way and sometimes hearing another voice or Definitely. hearing uh, some questions that you might not ask yourself on a regular basis that could also be helpful so that people can go there as well if they need some help so we'll put all the info for that on the show notes Thank you, Christina, for inspiring us again. No, thank you so much. And thank first for having me and also for what you guys are doing. I think having what you guys are supporting is for your listeners is incredible because often it's that what you need. You need some support and some help and some inspiration, whatever the dreams are. So thank you guys for what you're doing and keep it up. And I look forward to follow your dreams. And if I can help in any way, I'm really happy to. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. If you enjoyed the podcast and it sparked some thoughts about your success, please don't forget to leave us a review wherever you're listening. Again, all the information is in the show notes. Don't forget to head to stepupclub.co to find out more about how Step Up School could help you achieve your career dreams. See you next week, same time, same place. We've got plenty of incredible women, each with her own definition of success up our sleeves.